Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Recording? What? It's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year. Chanel was a guest on my radio show. And what did I talk about for a whole hour? Christmas for a whole <laughs> hour. In November. There was two camps of people. There were people who just thought it was the most... Ad- I was getting messages from listeners saying, yep. who is that adorable girl who's so excited on the radio yep. right now? And then there were other people going... Get her off. Calm the fuck down. I love Christmas. I I went early with my Christmas tree this year. Oh. Yeah, November, second week. Too early. And I said to Nicholas, oh, I might put the Christmas tree up this year and I don't touch the shed. The shed has no business with me. So I said, you have to get the Christmas tree out. He said, no, we don't do this until the first week of December. And I said, don't remember asking you for permission to do it. I just told you to get it because. Strong, independent white woman, I'll do what I want. It has nothing to do with my colour. I'm just a strong <laughs> yeah. do it woman. Okay. Um, Hashtag. And I got the tree Boss out. lady. And I put all the reindeers around the house because the reindeers go on the entry table and they go on the dining table. It's too soon. And my star has a light that comes out the top of it and it projects <laughs> onto the ceiling. <laughs> There's one house in our street that's a decorator. They put up lights outside, but it's just pathetic. Nobody else joins in. It's just no, like, see, and I don't want to go pathetic, so I've never asked Nicholas to put any lights up outside. Yeah. You're setting yourself up for ridicule in the neighbourhood. Yeah, and there's that one neighbour. So, um, mm. I had a message from Kim some yeah. time ago, actually. Kim was the one with the nana that, you know, the kitty that died and they had a picture of her in uh-huh. bed and they called her something unkind. I can't remember what. Vulture? Did they call her the vulture or something? Anyway, it was Kim. Uh, and Kim's probably left us. But anyway, she did ask, and I've finally gotten around to it. She asked us to talk about the Granville train disaster. Oh. She says her father died in it. Oh. Now, I have an ulterior motive in doing this story. There's a second story that comes from this disaster, which I won't have time to do today. I'm going to do it in our next episode. Okay. Um, there's a story about somebody involved in it. Anyway, I'm going to tell uh, she, Then she said, adios, girls. Nice things, nice things. I want a bloody T-shirt, Kim. It's all about the T-shirts. Everyone wants T-shirts. <laughs> well, if we make T-shirts, will people want them? I don't know. I'm worried about having a whole warehouse full of them. And Same. Then got flames and and you know, I don't do things by halves. I'm zero or a hundred. So if we make T-shirts, I'm ordering a thousand. Well, we just do white and black. I don't even know how many listeners we have. I think a thousand is too many. I think we do a limited – maybe we could do a limited edition Christmas T-shirt. Well, we need to get cracking on this now. Well, I don't know how to do it. I know. You have to do it. Okay. I'll do it. All right. Granville. Worst – I'll just tell the story. Uh, Tuesday – are you ordering T-shirts I'm literally looking up T-shirts. I am telling you a story. I know No, I won't. Okay, sorry. I'll stop. I'm not going to. Right. Sorry. Tuesday, the 18th of January, 1977. Okay. New South Wales. How old were you in 1977? Wasn't even thought of. What? I wasn't born in 1977. Am I that much older than you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I was 15. 
okay. I was And zero. I was in Adelaide. My family were on holiday in Adelaide at the time and we had stopped on the way and seen some like NAF um, SeaWorldy kind of show and Mr. Percival was in at the Pelican, but he's dead now anyway. So anyway, SeaWorld's I digress. a bad place now. You can't go to SeaWorld. You get judged for that. Oh, do you? This was a between. Yeah. They so we animals. drove from Melbourne. I shouldn't make to that as a public statement. I think they do. They're helping them now, but there was a documentary. Oh, was there? Yeah, well, white fin, black fin. Who knows? What was it called? So I remember this blackfish. Thank you, Kirst. Yes, oh, yeah. blackfish. I remember hearing this story unfold. So we were. I can remember being in a pool at a motel in Adelaide, and Mum or Dad must have had the TV on in the room. And, you know, when you're a kid, you're in the pool, you're out, you're in, yeah. you go out, you get a drink of lemon cold, or you go back, back in. in. Get, yeah. And so I've got a, and I had a camera. I would take lots of photos. I got a picture of my dad sitting next to the pool. My dad's so handsome and smiling. Um, but I remember like being aware that something was on the TV that all the grown ups were looking on. at. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it's middle of summer, New South Wales. So I was in Adelaide. That was a side note. This is mm-hmm. actually happening in New South Wales. It was a very hot day and eight passenger carriages, so it's a train, eight passenger carriages were being pulled along by an electric locomotive at Mount Victoria in the Blue Mountains. And it was quite early in the morning, just uh, 6.09, and the train was heading for Sydney. So, yeah, the Mm -hmm. pull-along carriage engine or whatever, and then eight carriages. Mm -hmm. By the time, so it goes along, makes it stops. By the time it got to Parramatta in the west of the city, there were 469 passengers on board. At 10 past eight, it was approaching Granville Railway Station and was doing around about 80 kilometres an hour. The track had a curve in it and was going through a cutting, you know, like yeah. Yeah, it's down in a tunnel kind of thing, uh, and the train derailed and it speared into the pylons of a bridge mm. that were made of steel and concrete. It was called the Bold Street Bridge, which went uh, over the tracks. What a disaster. The engine or the locomotive, I'm mm. not sure what the correct term is, but the engine tipped on its side and it dragged the first two carriages off the rails. Those sections went past the bridge. The first carriage broke free and... One of the pylons from the bridge had broken free and that swung around and ripped the roof off the first carriage just above the heads of the people oh. sitting in it. Can you imagine? Just opened it up like a can opener. Uh, eight passengers were killed in that carriage. 73 escaped. Uh, 34 of them, though, were badly injured. The second carriage landed just clear of the bridge. The back half of the third carriage and the forward half of the fourth carriage. So the third and fourth, yes. you can imagine that the section in the middle of that, mm-hmm. the back of the third and the front half of the fourth carriage, that came to a stop under the bridge, oh. which had been weakened by being hit. It's estimated the bridge weighed 570 tonnes and within seconds the supports gave way and the bridge and several cars on top of it crashed down onto the carriages. So the train and the passengers inside were crushed to within uh, 60 centimetres, so 24 inches, a couple of feet or less off the floor. Some some parts of it were actually crushed to floor level. Jesus. 
Of those passengers in the third and fourth carriages, half of them died instantly in their seats. So obviously the big rescue began, and this is on the fringe of the city, so there's immediately there's help there to try and clear it. They, they brought cranes in to lift slabs off of the concrete roadway. There were bodies, some of them lying on top of others. There was Some bodies were exposed as they were lifting things oh. off. There'd be just piles of bodies there. Medical teams were crawling into the wreckage in order so to do emergency, very yeah, a lot of them were injured as well in the rescue. Um, they were doing emergency surgery in underneath the concrete slab, doing amputations when necessary to try and get somebody out. All of this in the stifling heat in the middle of summer, and there were emergency lights illuminating, you know, in under the darkness yeah. where they couldn't see. That made it even hotter. Among the passengers was a girl named Debbie Woodgate. She was 19 at the time and she worked at police headquarters in in the centre of the city. Her car hadn't been working so she'd gone for the bus but the bus was running late so she took the train. And years later she spoke to the ABC and she called it the worst mistake of my life. It was the first time she'd taken the train. Oh, and she's not a mistake, though. How, I know. How do you know? Yeah. Uh, she said there was a bit of a shake, and then she heard yelling and a girl screaming. Then the bridge had fallen down, and she heard muffled cries, but then silence. She said there was nobody around. It was dark. And then she heard someone saying the Lord's Prayer, and that's when she got frightened because she didn't realize until that moment what a predicament she was in. She was trapped for about 10 hours. She had a leg removed below the knee and ended up with several fractures. She spent 18 months in hospital mm. by so that this is all in the morning peak yeah by 1 30 the following morning 19 bodies nine men nine women and one young girl had been pulled out of a section of the fourth carriage where the a four meter slab of concrete had landed of the 77 passengers in carriage three 44 were killed and then in carriage four, 31 passengers out of 64 were killed. So about half were killed. You know what the nightmare about this is as well? It's not just um, getting people out. It's not like a plane where you know who's mm. on the train. Yeah. They would literally have no idea. Yep. How many people? How many people were on the train? How many people were in which carriage? Who they all were? That's a good point, isn't it? Because there's no ni- manifesto or anything. No, what a yeah. nightmare. Uh, another young girl was just 15. Roz Sims was her name. She was from Mount Victoria in the Blue Mountains, west of Sydney. She was in the third carriage. She leant over. This is before, while well, they were still travelling along. She said to the lady sitting next to her, uh, asked the lady next to her if they could swap seats. She suffered from motion sickness and she wanted to sit near the window. And the lady said, yes. When the train crashed, part of the concrete bridge crashed on top of her carriage. It killed the woman in the seat that Roz had been sitting in. And it missed Roz by centimetres. She screamed. And apparently a man jumped up to comfort her. He fell on top of her. He shielded her as everything collapsed from above. She was knocked unconscious. She was trapped in the carriage for eight hours. She was so badly injured that at one stage a priest read her the last rites. So the paramedics and the police rescue workers, they were moving backwards and forwards. They were carrying bodies from the tracks up to her. They set up a temporary morgue in a tent nearby. In the tent, they were starting to identify the bodies. Spectators came from everywhere. They crowded to the scene. Parramatta Road was just covered in cars, all parked from people coming to see what was going on. Some of the injured passengers were trapped for hours. 
sometimes their limb or their torso had been crushed. Some of them had been conscious and talking to rescuers, but they died of crush syndrome. So what happened was if they had this weight on their body, yes. when the weight was removed, yep. crush syndrome, so the technicalities of it are potassium acids and other toxins shoot through your body, build up in the limbs, yeah, and then when they release the pressure, that shoots through the body, as you say, and it can cause heart problems, respiratory problems, kidney issues. Three people died from crush syndrome. And it was this accident that prompted further study into it and changed the way that rescues were done after this particular incident. Uh, So the bridge, all the times was happening, the bridge continued to move and it settled another two inches down onto the train. Two rescuers were trapped and there was a portable generator they'd been using. Apparently it crushed that like butter, they said. There was another danger as well. The train had gas cylinders on board for heating. Some of the tanks had ruptured um, and some people were overcome by leaking gas and that also meant that they couldn't use power tools yeah. to do the rescue. Sparks. The New South Wales Fire Brigade used ventilation equipment to dispel the gas and they had to spray a constant film of water over the whole site to prevent uh, an explosion. The train driver, uh, the assistant crewman, the second man... And the people who had been on top of the bridge in their cars, they all survived. The rescue started at 12 minutes past eight on the Tuesday morning and it went right through until 6am on the Thursday morning. Wow. The last body was extracted 31 hours after the crash had happened. So ultimately 84 people were killed in the accident and that included an unborn child. Now the train driver... I'll try and say his name correctly, Edward Olenchevich, was exonerated by an inquiry. He had done the best that he could. He heard a very loud crack when the left wheel had dropped down off the rail as it was coming off the rails. He threw on the emergency brake and he and his second mate, a man called Bill McCrossan, who was only 24, they were pinned to their seats in the accident. Yeah. 39 years later, the Granville Train Disaster Association was formed to represent those who died and their relatives and friends, and they requested a formal apology from the government of the day, and they got that on the 4th of May 2017. We've got this a little bit out of order, but I'll get to the inquiry in just a second. Um, A memorial wall was put up, but unfortunately 13 of the names had been spelled incorrectly, and they had to correct those. What? And people gather there at the site every year to they throw 84 roses onto the tracks. So there was an inquiry into what happened by just in front of uh, Justice James Staunton. That happened in 1977, not long after the crash. And the inquiry heard that the bridge, the Bold Street Bridge, had already been struck twice on that same section by different derailments over the years. And when the bridge was built, the base of the deck was a metre lower than the road. So instead of taking okay. down the bridge and rebuilding it, they filled it up with an extra metre of concrete. So the bridge was... Extra thick. Extra thick, yeah, which really only meant that when it fell, that extra weight on the carriers yeah. meant that the people underneath didn't stand a chance. The track... The rails, I think it is, hadn't been fastened properly. So in the heat and through whatever else, the rails had spread a little bit and so that was what caused it to derail. And also there was a lack of maintenance to the trains themselves. There was a Mm. faulty wheel and there were no replacement wheels to replace the faulty wheel because a lot of the spares had been sold off for scrap to make money. 
and that is the uh, Granville train disaster. So I'm going to, in our next episode, tell you about... You're not doing it now? Well, no, I thought it might be too long if I did it now. And it's a, it, it's quite a big story that branches off and it's sort of related but not really. But one of the paramedics who worked on the rescue is a story in himself Okay. Dead Bodies podcast. So he'll come to you next episode. There you are. Okay. Well, I've been really busy Oh, excuses, excuses, excuses. I have. I've been really flat out. It's been crazy. Tell me a story, Chanel. I want to hear a story. About why, all gone? about why I've been busy? Well, there's you been a lot of murderers. That. There has been a lot of murderers. There's been a lot of murderers. Mm. And courts has been crazy. And I haven't had a chance to write a story. So, But people have sent us stories on feedback. So good. we're going to... Give I'm a little just here whirl. for the story. I don't care if it comes from you. Or Lani, perhaps. I would have said Lani, but it could be Lani. Oh, I think Lani. Well, I say Lani, but I'm probably wrong. But that's my best friend in the whole wide world. His name is Lani. Well, Lani. Yes, Lani. it's probably Lani. Says, hello, lovely ladies. I was watching a show on TV tonight and they covered this story. I couldn't believe I'd never heard it before. Thought you might like to cover it or at least enjoy the read. Keep up the amazing work. You make my Mondays so much better. Except on the day when we have to release them later. But Mondays mainly. What? That was what me editorialising. Anyway, the show... Lani or Lani tells us about is a documentary called Bativa. Is it Bativa Revealed? Batavia. Batavia. Yep. I know that. Anyway, (laughs) didn't in that moment. (laughs) Batavia Revealed, Shipwreck Psycho. And it looks at the truth behind one of Australia's worst mass murderers. Uh, It went to air on SBS in August. So in 1628, nearly 350 people were on board the Batavia as it set out from Holland and headed for Jakarta, Indonesia. Isn't it weird how many times we inadvertently have a theme to an episode? So I just had passengers travelling on a thing and now you've got... I know in last episode you did lots of men dying and I did lots of women dying. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you realise that. No, I didn't. Yeah, I thought about it when you'd started your story and I thought, oh, she's doing lots of men dying and I'm about to do lots of women dying. So it, that works out. And okay. is it that there's a theme or do we find the theme? Do we? There's a theme. Okay. I like to think so. Yeah. Anyway, so the Batavia is uh, has left Holland and it's headed for Jakarta, Indonesia, which was a Dutch colony at the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. So somewhere along the way, the Batavia sailed off course and was wrecked on the coral reef of... <sighs> Hate ships. Like I don't go did, on ships. How did? Yeah, I don't want to go. I don't want to go on one. And how do you? You can't steer it. Like if you're on a road, like the best one, you can steer. A, no, actually, no. Best one is a car because you can take it wherever you want to take it. But usually, there's a road. Yes. To go on train, you're trapped on you're trapped. the tra- on the tram. Trapped. Yep. Bus, not as mobile. Bus junkies. Car is best. There's always one but junkie she- up the back. You know, Darren. Oh. I don't know if that's his name, but he's always up the back yes. and he's always like, have you seen the Pope? And you're like, no, mate, 
I haven't seen the Pope. Oh. Why are you asking me this? Did I show you that bloke opposite me on the train who was just like drugged off his yes. nose? The, just nearly Darren fall, the Druggo is always off. on public transport. Oh, he always nice. wants to know something about you, wants to ask a question. Oh, this one wasn't capable of speech, but I just want to say, mate, pull your dacks up. So when Your I was is hanging out. When I was in London, I was and catch- they weren't good underpants, Kirsten. They weren't. They weren't like they you never know, are. Ooh, here's yeah. my, you know, like Darren the Drogo is not ripping out his Versace's. Um, <laughs> when I was in London, I may have told you this, but I made sure that I put out to the world strong fuck off vibes when I was catching public transport. Ooh. So I was sunglasses on, earpods yeah, in. Yeah, that's good. Don't I wasn't making eye contact with people? Yeah, because I just didn't want people to talk to me because I was on my own. And I'll give you another one you can do because this is what I do. What? Flip the laptop open. Do you? Actually, when you told me you were using your laptop on public transport the other day, I thought that was weird. No, I just do it. It makes you look really, really clever. Right. And um, because sometimes you say, "I do." I love on the train when they someone's reading a book, but it's an old book. No, see, this is the thing. This is why I don't read books on public transport because some. Fucker always goes, I've read, uh, uh, yeah, I've read that one. No, don't engage me in conversation. Don't, I didn't ask. I don't know you. This isn't a book club. No. I'm on my way no. to somewhere. I don't give a shit if you read the book I'm reading. Have you, f- I just feign Frenchness. Pardon-moi. I don't, I'm sorry, I don't. What? People know you in this town. They don't know me, but they know you. <laughs> no, because then they'll think I'm that a French lady. They'll say, there is a lady that works on the radio that looks like you. Pardon? Oh, oui. Wow. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Okay. And I'm, I am, I always read lots of serial killer books. Yeah, not that's good. Real, That'll put them off. But put them off. I don't want anyone to talk to me about it. Mm. Anyway, so uh, 1628, 350 people on board the Batavia, leaves Holland, headed for Indonesia, but it hits a coral reef. I'll tell you the other thing I do on the train oh, too. Oh, shit, she's back. <laughs> if, if I'm listening to our... Sometimes I'll I'll make a real show of opening my phone up. Oh, look at the podcast I'm listening to. Dead oh, bodies. Dead bodies, or I'll say it. That's going to end up in the paper if you get dead caught. Dead bodies. <laughs> like I'm searching for, oh, there it is, and I'll try and look like, oh, this is the most entertaining podcast, podcast I've ever listened to. Yep. Yep. Just to try and attract listeners. Um, the coral reef was on the Ab- Abrolhos Islands. Around 40 people died trying to swim from the ship to safety. 300 men, women, children and babies oh. made it to shore. Oh, it's terrifying. And they've been huge crinoline yeah, frocks. Oh, it's horrible. On Beacon Island. Captain Francisco Pelseret realised that a rescue wasn't coming. So set off in a boat from the island headed for Jakarta. Oh, sure he did. Because yeah. they're just Everyone, on this random island. Wait here. You guys I'm wait here. I'm going to get help. I'll be right back. Well, he did come back. Oh, did he? Yes. It took him 33 days. Okay. And he returned three months later. So it took him 33 days to get to Jakarta. And then he returned three months later oh, to rescue the others. Boats. They're so slow. Right. But on the island, he found that there were more than 100 people had been brutally murdered. Oh, my God. And women were locked up in rape camps. They are two words I never want to go together. Rape Rape and camp. Yeah. Ever. 
They had five wow. women who were kept as women of common service. Ew. That is, they were they were sex slaves. Oh, God. Oh, rape is just the worst. Some soldiers had tried to fight back and they later gave testimony that, uh, why is every name in this so difficult to say? Geronimus mm-hmm. Cornelius. That's good. Was the man responsible? Oh, who's he? Well, uh, she doesn't say, so Google it. Remains are still being found (laughs) nearly 400 years since the Batavia was wrecked from child bones to fully grown adults. Oh. They're still finding bodies. God. Most of the bodies have signs of severe trauma, such as marks on the bones that indicate deep and fatal stab wounds. Imagine being stabbed so deep that it hit your bone. Mm-hmm. What does that feel like? That would cut your meat. I feel like it's a boing. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Boing. (laughs) Like I wouldn't feel like that. Yes. Would it feel like that? It's not a cartoon. I know. It's not but I like, you're going with my sword. But I feel like it would have a jiggling <laughs> feeling. Maybe. Anyway, I, I was being legitimate there. I wasn't actually trying to be a dickhead. Anyway. Um, oh, here he is. Geronimus Cornelius uh, was said to have committed. Just call him Jerry. Old Jerry was said to have committed only one murder himself on Beacon Island, just one, that of a baby, which he strangled to death. Oh, God, that's bad enough. That's worse Mm. than the sword. More than 120 other horrific crimes were committed by men uh, following his orders. Wow. Uh, Cornelius? Why didn't they all turn on him? I don't know. Like, how do some people get that much power? Yeah, how does one person brain well? Yeah. Hitler. Um, he was tried and convicted of the Batavia shipwreck murders Batavia. and Batavia, and was sentenced to death by hanging. Good. He should and have been tortured, so. along with seven. Not tortured? Why? <laughs> Just being hung. Brutal. Well, you know. Uh, and oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is the problem when you don't write the story yourself. You're shook along the way. So. He wasn't just hung, but he had his hands chiselled off. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> chiselled yeah. off? Yeah. Well, at least chiselled off. Uh, he was sentenced to death by hanging along with seven of his, uh, com- is it comrades? Comrades. Yeah. Mates. But first, he had his hands chiselled off. Whoa. Of the survivors, about oh. 80 people. Um, there were 341 originally. Uh, they eventually did make it to Jakarta with the captain. Good Lord. Your hands chiseled off. That's brutal. I suppose it's the least you could expect. Chiseled off, rape camps and boing. <laughs> All pivotal parts of that story oh. that I'm sure Lani or Lani wasn't expecting to be standout moments. You're welcome. Uh, here's a little bit of feedback. This is from Deb in Manchester in England. Oh, I wonder if she's City or United. I've been there. I've been to Manchester. City or United? I don't know. I was just saying that I've been there. Pick a side. Which one of the noisy neighbours? United. You? United? Good girl. Yeah. So, oh, God, if Deb's City, she's going to hate me now. <laughs> I can't bear it. Sorry. Hello, ladies. Nice things, nice things, says Deb. 
Just a quick email to let you know that I love the podcast. It's oh, in capital yay. letters. Uh, I went to a pub there and I had beers with some very rowdy people and I loved it. That's the way. That's yeah. what we want to happen in Manchester. Uh, especially, says Deb, all the waffling. It's been really nice hearing more of Kirsten lately. Oh, yeah, Big hit. Big hit with the, with the punters. And I love being able to... Hang out, in inverted commas, with you guys every yeah. Sunday. What? Comes out on Monday. Well, there's the world time difference at play. Correct. Oh. Some people get it on Sunday. That's right. That's nice. Personally, says Deb, hummus is life. Yes, it is. Orange is the best cordial. Thank you. Brackets. Cola sounds awful. It, it's horrible. And if I were to dispose of a dead body, yes. says Deb... It would probably be in the industrial autoclave in the laboratory I work in. What? Oh, what happens there? I don't know. Write and tell us, Deborah. Thanks again for the podcast. Love heart emoji. Deborah, brackets, Manchester, UK. Thank you, Deb. That's it. Roll, Tony. Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.